1: Greetings, listeners. I'm back today with Louis Mel Madrona. Dr. Mel Madrona was on for a series of three interviews with me very early on, and we're here today to go further into the use of stories as a healing narrative. And Louis Mel Madrona is the author of nine books, including Coyote Wisdom, that contains a lot of Native North American stories, and we're going to be talking about stories and healing today. And uh, want to let everybody know that Lewis and I will be leading a workshop called Narrative Healing Arts Using Traditional Stories at Hollyhock, uh, which is a center in Canada. They are at Hollyhock. .ca. We'll tell you more about registering for that if you're interested a little bit later. But let's get right into our subject. So welcome back, Lewis. So glad to have you back on the show again.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And I wanted to add that it's online, this program that we're doing.
1: Oh, yes. It's a virtual program. So, so you don't have to go to Canada, although you might want to. <laughs> but
0: you're not allowed to right now. <laughs> <but> you're <so. laughs> not allowed to.
1: So do it virtually. Exactly. All right, Lewis. So welcome back to the show. And today, uh, let's, let's lead right into the story. What led you to use Native American stories as a healing tool?
0: Well, you know, I grew up with, within Native American stories. And my grandmother was a storyteller. My great grandmother told stories. And Um, I just thought everyone told stories. And when I got to medical school, they gave us more time than I needed to see patients. And I thought, well, I've got to come up with something to do (laughs) in that extra time. Because, you know, if I let the patient go early, they might think I wasn't doing my job. And so I started telling people stories when we were done with the, What we had to do in the visit i said well that reminds me of a story perhaps you'd like to hear it and uh, it turned out that that i noticed that people were getting better (laughs) in, in ways that weren't theoretically how they should get better based on pharmacology and and people began telling me wow that story was really helpful the one you told me last week or Last month. And um, I thought, well, this is interesting. You know, maybe I learned more growing up than I thought. And and then someone asked me, someone sat in with me and asked me where I'd learned hypnosis. And I looked at them puzzled and I said, what's hypnosis? And they said, that thing that you're doing when you tell stories. (laughs) So, So I thought, well, there's power here in the use of the word, you know, and how and how we use our words and in the intent that we um, have when we use our words. There's something really positive that can come out of it. So that's how I began.
1: So I I should mention to our listeners who didn't catch the first three episodes earlier on that you are an MD uh, and a psychiatrist. Am I correct? That is correct. <laughs> I have achieved those titles. <laughs> and well, the reason that I feel that it's so important to mention that is because you are an example of somebody who really had schooling, let's say in two very contradictory ways, because the, the way that the way that healing, is understood in the indigenous world, including your Cherokee upbringing, is so very, very different than the way that the model of Western medicine. Absolutely, and and there was a,
0: a flash of awareness about that that happened to me in a lecture early on in medical school. And it, it inspired me to run across campus as fast as I could could and to to burst into the Stanford Indian Center where I found Henrietta Blue Eyes at the desk and I said Henrietta I need an elder and <laughs> and and she got out that ancient archaic device called a Rolodex and found me two names and and it was that it was meeting with them and going to ceremony that kept me engaged in two-eyed seeing in being able to see the conventional medicine wisdom and to see the indigenous wisdom and to and to try to figure out how to pick and choose what what worked best for what circumstance in what individual and um i think we still need to do that
1: we absolutely need to do that in fact let's see how it works all right (laughs) so does that remind you of a story? It does indeed. <laughs> so uh, I want to
0: tell a story that I heard on the reservation in South Dakota, but also it was written down by Zitkala Sa, which translates as Redbird. And um, Sha, Zitkala Sha. And um, so it's, it's a story about Bear and badger. And so once upon a time, there was a badger family. And I imagine they had a lot of relatives, too. But we're going to we're going to focus on this nuclear badger family. And there was a papa and a mama and some cubs. And the the father badger was a really good hunter. And he never failed to bring something home, a, a fat grouse or a plump rabbit or, you know, maybe on a really special day, a deer. He always came home with something, which is why his his children were chubby. And his wife was always busy, you know, cutting and drying meat and and packing the dried meat away in beautiful sacks, you know. Nice, nicely painting, nicely painted images on the outside of the sack, so it was a busy, productive badger household and um, And you know, they lived under the ground like badgers do, and they'd, they'd you know created a very nice environment, you know, lining their their burrow with branches and leaves, and it was you know quite comfy and even artistic if the badgers did say so themselves. And so, um, all was well until one day, Bear steps in to the den and Bear looks terrible. His fur is all matted and, and not shiny at all. And, and he just has a terrible complexion. And, and Bear sits down you know it and and in the way that it's always done in the Lakota world um he's offered some food and and he scarfs it down like he's starved because he is and and um mother badger says bear bear you seem very hungry would you like some more and bears like yeah yeah give me more and, and so finally, Bear has eaten his fill, perhaps a whole sack of dried meat, you know. And um, well, eventually, he gets up and leaves, and, and that's that. And the next day, um, Father Badger stayed home from hunting because he needed to make more arrows. And, you know, you can run out of arrows eventually hunting. And you have to make more, and that's what he was up to. And what should happen but Bear appeared again, and and sat down in the place of honor in the den, and again. Mother Badger was obligated to feed him because this is just how it is. And uh, I remember, by as an aside, I remember my mother arguing with my grandmother about. Why did she feed everyone that came to the door? And my, and my grandmother said, Well, they might be a spirit pretending to be a human, so you've got to feed everyone. <laughs> so, so um, good advice. Good advice. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, anyway, Bear just keeps coming. Like he's like a bad penny that you can't lose. And every day he comes and eats more of their food and and but his fur gets shiny and he's starting to look really good. It's like a good-looking bear. And and so one day he barges in and he grabs all the arrows and he grabs the bow and he announces he said I'm taking over. This is going to be my dwelling place from now on. My family's going to live here with all your food, so get out, badgers, get lost, and and they had no way to fight, because I mean, badgers have sharp claws, but how are they going to fight a big bear? And and all of the arrows were in bear's paw. There was no weapon at hand, and so all they could do was was in in shame, uh, crawl out of their den and, and move on. And so they came, they went, they came to the edge of the forest and quickly they built a a makeshift in, you know, out of willow that's bent and, and covered it with branches and things like that. So they at least had shelter for the night, but they had no food. They were really hungry and Bear moved his whole family. And it, and it went like that because bad had no way to make arrows and he had no bow he had no way to hunt he had no snares he had none of the equipment that he needed and and so um everyone was in a in bad shape and now now the bear family had a runt of the litter the smallest bear cub of the litter and and he'd been teased and abused by his siblings and 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 maybe by some other bears in the neighborhood you know and and he felt terrible for the badger family and he started sneaking them meat he started sort of surreptitiously dropping some meat beside their door as he nonchalantly sauntered you know down the path that just happened to lead right in front of their dwelling place. And, and they were so grateful to that kind young bear. It made such a difference to have some food to eat in that dire circumstance. And so time passed and, and he brought them as much food as he could. There were lemons, he he couldn't allow his father to notice or his brothers and sisters. And and one day he accidentally dropped a, a, a big clot of bison blood, you know, inside their dwelling place, along with the meat. And and when the after the family had eaten the meat, um, Father Badger said, "You know, um, I should I should build a, a a hut for a revitalization ceremony. You know, I should I should." show my gratitude to the spirit of the bison you know for feeding us during these difficult times and and so you know he he bent some willow and he covered it up and he heated some rocks up and brought those rocks into the structure that he built poured water on them you know and the steam went whoosh, and breath of life in Ipi. and and he had that blood clot in there And he held it up to the steam and he said, he just talked about his gratitude at at the Bisons for having given to him and his family. And at this little bear cub for for the kindness that that he had shown in the face of of being kicked out of the house and all of that kind of thing. And then when he'd said everything that he wanted to say, he tossed that blood clot on the rocks and went the way things do when they're tossed on the rocks. And and he finished his his songs and his prayers, and he opened the door, and he left the lodge, and lo and behold, a man came after him. A man walked out behind him, and Father Badger turned around, and he said, Dude, where'd you come from? Who are you? And, and the man says, I came from that blood clot. And they call me the Avenger, and I make things right that are wrong. And I'm right away going to go over and kick out those bears. They're not—they don't have a chance with me on the case. And so you know, he just picks up and walks right into that den, you know, and and steps in and grabs some arrows. He's known for his magical arrows. He brought one with him. I don't, I don't know how he materialized it in the in the Kaga, but, you know, magic is at work here. And, and he shot that arrow into Bear's foot, and he shot another arrow into Bear's paw. And he said, now I'm going to start moving into more sensitive areas if you don't get out of here. <laughs> and Bear was hopping up and down anyway, going, ow, ow, ow. He said, take out these arrows, take out these arrows. And the avenger said, not until you leave. I'll take them out when you're outside. And so bear shoot his whole family out of the den and and waddled outside, you know, because he hadn't been exercising a lot because, you know, he was just eating other people's food that had been stored up. You know, he hadn't been hunting for himself. Lazy bear. (laughs) And so out came the Avenger and he pulls out the arrows and and he says, now bear, I never want to see hiding her hair of you around here again. You stay away from them badgers. You leave them alone. Go do your own hunting like a bear should. And so the bear sheepishly waddled off into the forest, followed by his family. And he was never seen there again. So that that was the story that I told someone yesterday. And it, it was part of a larger um, sort of I don't know what to call it—prose poem, visualization, guided imagery, hypnosis, narrative, um, healing. I don't know. Whatever we call the things that we <laughs> do with our mouth, and and but it was for a woman who'd who'd um, worked at a particular hospital for thirty more than thirty years, and and she'd she'd just been stabbed in the back, really, by a colleague and and put on notice that she had made a mistake that someone else had made. And and it snowballed from there. And her contract wasn't renewed. And she had to quit her job of more than 30 years. And um, so what the reason that she had come to me was for back pain and and um, sadness, you know, and, and I thought of the Badger family and how sad they were when, you know, Bear kicked them out of their den, you know, and I said to her, I said, I know you're telling me that you have depression, but I wouldn't call it depression. I would call it normal grief and sadness at what happened to you. And, and I said, you know, I think it's not hard to find, you know, a metaphor here for your back pain. Because didn't someone you'd known for 20 years just stab you in the back, walk all over you, kick you out the door, you know? And she's like, yeah, you know. And so, um, so the story... Gave her hope, because she'd already, you know, taken measures to to oppose the situation. You know, uh, she'd started a a not-for-profit to fight for the patients that she'd been trying to defend, and and she'd started a lawsuit, and you know, so she was already taking measures to avenge the wrong that was done to her. And 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 she told me, she said, you know, in all of this, my husband has been an incredible supporter. He's my avenger. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just a really, it gave us such a more positive tone in the tone with which she entered, which was kind of sad and downtrodden and, you know, not very fun, <laughs> you might say. So she... She was able to, to to feel uplifted, you know, in part through that story. And uh, to me, you know, that that's the healing power of, of the words that come out of our mouths when we have a good heart and a good intent and, and we really
1: want to do right for someone else. And what a perfect what a perfect story that is for the healing that she needed in that moment. You know that you were able to pull that story out um Mm -hmm. at just the right time for her Um, we have a lot more to say about story lewis and uh i think we're gonna do one more episode with this so i'm gonna ask our our listeners to tune in again on the next uh episode where i'll tell a story and lewis and i will kick it around and continue looking at um Narrative healing arts, and this is just a reminder also to anybody out there who would like to join us on May 22nd and 23rd, I believe it is, right? Yeah, indeed, that is what it is. May 22nd and May 23rd, of 2021, Lewis and I will be uh, co leading a virtual weekend workshop for Hollyhock in Canada called Narrative Healing Arts Using Traditional Stories. And anybody who's interested, you can contact them by going to their website at hollyhock.ca. And Louis Melmadrona, I want to thank you for being here for this episode. We have a lot more to talk about on the next one. So thank you for being here yet again. All right. Thank you very much, Bob. Until next time. Exactly. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This has been Healing and
0: Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.